Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I've heard so many creepy park ranger stories on here I wanna punch Smokey the bear in the face and start a forest fire. My cousin is a park ranger and tells some tall tales, bordering on whoppers. That being said they are inspiring and well written stories. After my nephew showed me those I thought I might contribute here, because I too had a very dangerous job in a scary and remote place, a K.A. the sea, for many years. It is true that the job can be dangerous, but as far as scary stories go, 
Missing 411 is about as real as it gets, outside that, I would take the rangers for a grain of salt. But you wanna hear some stories? I got some pretty freaky shit for you. I experienced and heard about some pretty scary and hard to explain things while I was in the US Coast Guard. As you can tell by my username I have quite a sense of humor, but this is no joke. There's stuff that happens in the ocean that will give you the chills. There's lots of different job opportunities in the Coast Guard, some of the young bucks join right out of high school. Most of the time we are nice to them. If they were particularly unsavory, then they might be subject to a bit of hazing. One day an AMT complained about having to clean the kitchen, so we painted his toenails while he was sleeping. It was all in good fun. Through my eight-year career, I tried to get along with everyone. When you're well-liked and trusted, you might hear some things. One particularly creepy story I heard was from a captain I served under in 2008. He told me they were off the coast of Alaska, doing a six-week patrol in a WMEC, 270-feet cutter when it happened. There was this new kid who just joined up working on a ship. He did his job decently enough but he talked so little, he was nearly mute. Nobody really thought much of it, there are quite a few hard-boiled stone-faced dudes in this field, so it wasn't viewed as anything that wasn't normal. The captain just felt really weird about this kid for some reason. Ben, I think his name was. So they were nearing the end of their patrol, everyone was relieved to get off the damn boat and get some real sleep I'd imagine. The captain was on watch when he looked over on the port side, left for landlubbers like you, and saw what he thought was hands grasping the side. He said it was dark out, and he didn't want to raise the alarm for man overboard until he could confirm there was actually someone hanging off the side. He didn't have to wait long. He said he saw the black shape of a person crawl onto the ship. Obviously I don't need to tell you how utterly impossible it is for somebody to just climb onto a 270-foot ship in the open ocean. So he raises the alarm, and him and five guys go looking for this person. He said at this point everyone thought he was having a laugh. So they find nothing, and everyone goes back to what they were doing. The captain was thoroughly creeped out already, but this was about to get even weirder. When they disembarked, Ben was gone. All his stuff was still by his bunk, nothing out of place. Nobody saw him leave, or fall overboard. The ship was searched and there was a whole investigation, but nobody ever found out for curtain what happened. The captain then leaned in really close and told me. But I know. Whoever. Whatever. Climbed on the ship that night, took Ben. That story gave me a bad vibe and I'll remember it for a long time just because of how seriously strange the whole thing was. Anyways, in late summer in 2019, I'd say maybe a couple miles away from Montello, I was walking down in the woods, in Marquette County, Wisconsin. I decided to go in the night after dark because there would be no heat, and I didn't want to get heat stroke out there. I was taking a walk on a foot trail some people used and made but it's not an actual trail on any maps, anyways moments before the experience happened. I checked my phone and it was 1.42 am couple minutes later I hear a hey, bro can you help me from a direction I was facing I said with what? They said come closer, 
which made me choose to run back down the way I came, and yes, I got chased down and hurt I need some help bro, funny enough a deputy was driving by as I floored it out of there as the dude hit my car with a knife, scratched my truck a bit and dented it. This happened in September. No the deputy did not do anything, as I don't think they really cared. About 12 years ago, I was camping at Clear Creek Campground near Mount Hood, Oregon. It was in the middle of the night when Bigfoot entered our camp. We quickly shone our flashlights on the creature. Interestingly, it seemed to have a short fuse, as it threw a tantrum, uprooting small trees and hurling them across the creek while emitting a low to high-pitched scream. We could barely catch a glimpse of it, even with the lights, as it stood about 100 yards away according to my account. There were six witnesses, and we estimated its height at eight feet. The following day, we decided to track the creature for about a mile. The tracks eventually disappeared on a rocky shelf that it had climbed. The human-shaped footprints we found were a staggering 17 inches long. We also discovered tracks in a nearby clear-cut at McSoven's Gulch, which was full of thistles, making it an unlikely place for a barefoot hoaxer. Additionally, I shared that my oldest brother had his own encounter with Bigfoot as he saw it running across the Barlow Road near Pine Grove on the east slope of the Cascades. I'll never forget the day I stumbled upon a curious story hidden within the faded pages of a 1980 issue of the St. Helens Chronicle newspaper. The informant's whisper had led me to a report a mysterious encounter one mile south of Goble, Oregon, along Highway 30 near Rainier. According to the account, an elusive creature had left its mark in a dense salmonberry patch, the bushes stripped bare of their succulent berries. As I ventured into the heart of this story, I couldn't help but imagine the creature's presence, its dark head navigating through the thicket. The trail didn't end there, the creature had encountered a barbed wire fence. It left behind a piece of evidence, a tuft of 10-inch long, light brown hair caught in the unforgiving grip of the wire. The texture was unlike anything familiar, it was coarse, reminiscent of fish line. My mind raced with questions as I envisioned the creature, a mysterious figure with a head crowned in darkness, casually strolling over the fence as if boundaries meant nothing. As I delved deeper into the accounts and collected fragments of the past, the enigma surrounding this elusive being grew. What creature could leave such a peculiar trail, stripping berries with an almost calculated precision, and traversing obstacles with an otherworldly ease? The newspaper article might have faded with time, but the echoes of that encounter lingered, urging me to uncover the secrets hidden within the heart of the Oregon wilderness. This incident occurred in early 1980 near Arago, approximately 5 to 7 miles from Lampa Mountain. At that time, I had a paper route and was delivering newspapers from my truck to the residents of that area. It has been so long ago that I don't remember the road name, but it was around 3.30, and it was lightly raining when I came around a sharp corner in the road. I saw the back of a large animal quickly crossing the roadway and climbing the side of the road cut. The road cut was covered with grass about 2 feet high and was approximately 10 feet high, 
probably at a 70 degree angle. As large bears are common in this area due to the sheep population, I initially assumed it was a reddish-brown colored bear I was driving by. The animal must have been at least 6 feet long and had very long hair along its spine. I remember very clearly the part in the hair along the spine, thanks to the wet weather. I passed within 15 feet of the animal as it climbed very quickly to the top of the road cut and out of sight. What always struck me as odd is that the animal's spine did not flex like that of a bear when it was moving, and its rear legs were not directly under it but more out to its sides as it climbed out of sight. It also had very large, broad shoulders. The animal climbed hand over hand to the top of the road cut in about 3 seconds. Laugh at me. I really don't care. I don't know what I saw. It looked like a cross between a guy and a wolf, I ask you not. I was on my way home from work. I was maybe 10 minutes from the house, coming up a big hill. I suddenly got the strangest feeling, so I slowed down, thinking a deer was gonna come out of the woods, or something. I just felt like I was being watched, or followed. There were no cars in front of me, or behind me. I got to the top of the hill and slammed on my brakes, because as soon as I got to the top of the hill, this huge, black, hairy thing came bounding across the road. It was so big, when it ran, its back arched up, kind of like a cheetah, but only a lot more than that. I know that if it would have stood up, it would have been well over 6 feet tall, maybe taller. I also know another car saw it too, because when I hit the brakes, Another car turned onto that road and slammed on their brakes too. We both just sat there for a few minutes, not really safe considering, I know. But, I was in shock. I truly have no idea what it was that I saw. It was not a dog or a horse. Dogs do not get that big or arch their backs like this thing did when it was running. The arms, legs, whatever it had, were so long, it was having to throw them out to the side, think crab walk, just to run. And the appendages it had were just as big as it was. It ran from one side of the woods to the other, non-stop, like it was either going after something, or running away from something. I honestly have no idea what the holy freaking hell it was that I saw. I don't care if you laugh at me. I know what I saw. This story happened just this summer. I'm only now getting around to writing it down. I would consider myself an outdoorsman. I grew up in the sticks. I've spent a lot of my life wandering in, and enjoying, the backcountry. I'm older now and have settled down in the suburbs. Wife, two boys, a house, a dog, a desk job, the whole suburban shtick. I want opportunities for my kids that come from suburban life but I also want them to grow up with an appreciation for the outdoors. So when my oldest son was big enough for his first solo fatherson camping trip I was excited. My wife and younger son stayed home for this midsummer trip. It was going to be a great bonding experience for me and my son. Because my son is just 5, I didn't want to do anything too extreme on our first big solo camping trip. We needed a place that wasn't too deep into the Colorado Front Range, but still allowed for dispersed camping. 
I don't consider camping in RV parks or established campgrounds to be actual camping. You might as well be at a motel watching TV. Camping, at most, is a tent, sleeping bag, and a fire. A dispersed camping area called Gordon Gulch, west of Boulder, caught my attention. I had never been to this area before. There were no facilities and it was dispersed enough you couldn't see or hear other campers nearby. My son and I had a blast that day. We set up camp. Collected firewood. Went for a hike. Saw a moose and a bobcat. Tried a little fishing. And finally, as the sunlight faded, we returned to our campsite to light a fire. We had a traditional and nutritious camping meal of fire-burned hot dogs and marshmallows. It was a good day. Definitely a core memory for both my son and me. The perfect first camping experience for a preschooler. Or so I thought. After all that fun my son and I were exhausted. It was time for bed. The sound of an evening summer breeze through the pines is better than any commercial sleep aid. I don't even remember drifting off. It was a hard, dreamless sleep that only physical exertion can bring. One thing about my son. He inherited many things from me. Hair color, eye shape, disposition, and my unusually wide feet. But one peculiar thing he got from his mother was sleep talking. It's not unusual to hear him having full conversations in his sleep. It gets more pronounced when he's overly tired. I was catapulted out of the void of sleep. Not sure what aroused me, I sat up collecting myself. The world seemed to be at peace. It was quiet. Just me and the breeze through the treetops. I couldn't figure out what woke me so suddenly. The sound of my son laughing in his sleep cut through my groggy confusion. It was a deep belly laugh. Must be a fun dream, I thought hazily. Gently rocking him was enough to quiet him down. That must have been what startled me, I determined. As I repositioned to fall back to sleep my son burst out laughing. I sighed and closed my eyes. He'll quiet down soon enough, I thought. He laughed again. This time his laugh was echoed by something outside our tent. I held my breath and listened. Unsure of what I just heard. It wasn't an echo. There was something out there and it was laughing in unison with my son. My grogginess vanished as the adrenaline began to pump. It couldn't be real. It had to be my imagination. I sat up in my sleeping bag listening to the night. Hearing nothing after a minute, my muscles relaxed. I started to settle back down. Must have been hearing things. I was tired after all. Checking the time I saw it was 4 in the morning. The sun would be up in a couple hours. My son laughed again. And again it was answered with laughter outside. I was now absolutely certain it was not an echo. As I tried to make sense of what was happening the voice outside called out my son's name. My blood ran cold. That voice. It was so familiar. Then it clicked in my brain. It was the voice of my younger son. That wasn't at all possible. He was safe at home with my wife, miles and miles away. I could hear twigs crunching beyond our thin nylon tent walls. It was impossible to tell the distance from us. But there was something out there. Circling us. Unprompted this time, it called out my son's name in that little toddler voice. My five-year-old, still fast asleep, called out to his brother, 
asking him to play. The thing outside the tent laughed in reply and urged my son to come outside. That thing with my little son's voice sounded cold. Hollow. Dead. The floodgates of my adrenaline burst open. Cold sweat formed on my face. I was frightened out of my mind, but my primal caveman brain roared to life. I was in papa bear mode. Nothing was going to take or hurt my son. I was putting a stop to this. Whatever it was out there, I didn't care. You don't mess with my kids. Say what you will, but when you're camping miles from anything it's not worth the risk of being unarmed. Wild animals, wild people, you have to be prepared. I almost always take a firearm with me when I'm camping. Pepper spray and bear bells are great, but nothing gets attention from a conscious threat faster than the sound of chambering around. I spoke loudly into the night that I had a gun and was coming out. I hoped the fear in my voice was masked by my aggressiveness. The only reply was the breeze through the treetops. My son was still asleep. Kid's a hard sleeper. Another trait from his mom. My wife and I have joked that he could sleep through a tornado. Stepping out into the cool summer night, a gun in one hand and a flashlight in the other, I surveyed the campsite. The fire was down to embers. Our fishing gear was leaning against the pickup. The firewood was still neatly stacked. Nothing seemed out of place. Not wanting to stray far from the tent or my sleeping son, I sat down outside the entrance. I waited in the dark with the flashlight off. Not far into the trees I heard a branch break. Then another snapped, this time closer. I stood up and flashed my light in the direction of the sound. Nothing was there. The voice called out, this time from behind, and this time focused towards me. Daddy. Daddy. It was my youngest son's voice again. Crying out for me from the dark forest. I threw the light beam in that direction. A pair of shimmering green eyes were illuminated by my flashlight. They were only two or so feet above the ground. The same height as a toddler. I took a small step toward it. I wanted to see more. I needed to see more. The eyes, unblinking, remained in place. Getting closer didn't help reveal this thing. It seemed to absorb the light from my flashlight. Almost devouring it. I couldn't make out its size, or shape, or color. It seemed to swallow up all the light around it. Save for its two shimmering green eyes. That thing laughed in its hollow toddler's voice. This time with malice and cruelty in it. The eyes never looked away from me. Never blinking. Focused only on me. Like a predator before the pounce. Not wanting to give up any ground to a predator, I stepped forward again. It didn't move. Not knowing what to do, I screamed as loud as I could. I waved my arms, trying futilely to shoo it away. The eyes shimmered. And as I stared back the eyes shifted from green to amber. I watched as they began to rise up into the air. It was now apparent to me this thing had been crouching and was now standing up. I could only watch in silent terror as the eyes finally stopped rising, nearly ten feet off the ground. The night air erupted with a deep growl. I could feel the vibrations in my guts. I couldn't see a mouth, but I could hear teeth snapping and gnashing. My son in the tent behind me began to scream. That was the only time the eyes lost focus on me and shifted towards the screams of my kid. 
My only reaction was to fire my gun into the air. The eyes immediately vanished. My ears were ringing, but I could hear the growls turn to shrieks. Followed by a cacophony of crashing branches and undergrowth. I stood there until I couldn't hear the shrieking anymore. It trailed off deep into the trees. I was left with only the sound of the breeze in the treetops and the quiet sobbing of my child. Twilight was beginning to illuminate the forest. Shaking and exhausted, I sat down in the dirt in front of the tent. I tried to collect myself. Daddy? Daddy? Where are you? My five-year-old shouted. That got me out of my daze. I picked myself up and went into the tent to retrieve him. Putting him in the truck, I locked the doors, and wasted little time breaking down camp. We were out of that camp and back on the road by the time the sun broke over the horizon. I have no idea what is in those woods. I do plan to camp in that area again, albeit without my family, and definitely with some friends. I want to find out more about this thing. Thankfully, my son doesn't seem phased by anything that happened that night. He thinks I was chasing a bear away from camp. And maybe he's right, I hope he is anyway. My son can't wait to go on another camping trip. But, truthfully, I'm thinking the next family camping trip might be at an RV park. Or even a motel. That's family camping, right? This happened many years ago when I was about 10 or 11 years old. I wouldn't describe the area I was in as backwoods necessarily, but it was a wooded 100 plus acre ranch. The land is in the southwest part of the United States. My family owns the property and we have family reunions every year and all stay for about 5 days to camp. There's an area of the ranch where we all set up camp and cook and eat. Getting to that part of ranch requires driving through a small village and several gates for about 2 miles. The first gate beyond the village is slightly past a set of railroad tracks. That's a lot of description, but it's relevant later in the story. Because I had been camping at the ranch for as long as I could remember and the land was private, my parents would allow me to go off on my own during the day as long as I didn't go too far. I'd spend time walking the property near our camp area looking for arrowheads or trying to catch tadpoles in the ponds. On this day, I left the large camp area after lunch, which was around 11.30, and told my mom I was going to a nearby creek. I planned on catching some tadpoles to bring back to camp and be back on time for a swimming trip my cousins were planning. They wanted to go to a nearby river and I really didn't want to miss it. I made it down to the creek and got several tadpoles. I probably spent a total of 15 minutes down there. To get back to camp, I would have needed to either climb up a relatively steep embankment with a lot of loose rock, or circle around on a longer route with a flat trail. I'd usually go up the embankment, but I didn't have a top for the water bottle I caught the tadpoles with and didn't want to risk slipping and spilling them out or killing them. I had never walked the longer trail by myself, but I had with my dad and felt confident I could find my way back to camp on it. As I walked back to camp, I had my head down looking for arrowheads in the washed out areas of the trail. I started feeling a little creeped out as I continued walking. We all know that feeling like someone is watching. It was unsettling, but I chalked it up to just getting spooked being on the trail by myself. Now the next part 
I can't explain whatsoever. It's as if a light switch was turned on or someone snapped their fingers and I came back to reality. Except when I came to, I wasn't on the trail I had been on before. I was near the railroad tracks and it was completely dark. My mom was standing in front of me shaking my shoulders and yelling where were you? Two things I remember really clearly about the moments I came to are, one, the look of fear or anger or relief in my mom's tearful eyes as she was yelling at me, and two, the confusion I felt about what the hell was going on. The last thing I remembered was walking on the trail back to camp, and now suddenly it was dark and I was at the railroad tracks leading to the ranch, which was over two miles away. The best way I can describe it is to compare it to the movie The Butterfly Effect. The main character would be living in one moment, then suddenly he'd wake up somewhere entirely different. My parents drove me back to camp and I learned it was 10.30 pm this meant I had been gone for 11 hours, about 10.5 of which I can't account for to this day. My parents and all my family had understandably freaked the hell out when I hadn't returned to camp. They had been looking for me all day. I was a really good kid going growing up and almost never broke any rules, so my parents were baffled at my behavior. I tried to explain to them that I had no memory of getting to the tracks, but they didn't believe me. They thought maybe I got lost and was embarrassed to admit it. This was the only time I've ever experienced something like this. I can't explain how unsettling it is to not be able to account for all those hours I was gone. Was it coincidence that I had that creeped out feeling on the trail and then just lost 10.5 hours of my life? I wish I had answers for what happened. Has anyone had anything similar happen? Thirteen years ago, I went mute and I am finally able to talk about what happened. From a young age, I was an extroverted and a stubborn girl. Although I always listened to my parents but that time, at 12 years I felt rebellious. My neighborhood held a Girl Scout camp. Every year, my parents didn't allow me to go, but this time I felt old enough, which was my first mistake. Me and Kelly, my best friend begged our parents but they refused because they are responsible adults, who cared about us. But to us, 12-year-olds they seemed like monsters. So, I made a plan. We told our parents that we were going to Katie's house for a sleepover. They talked to Katie's parents and we did stay at Katie's for approximately 12 minutes and then we left for our epic camping trip. Kelly decided on the place, Ludenburg Woods and that was our second mistake. Kelly and I have been best friends ever since we were little. Recently it was her birthday and I gifted her a unicorn bracelet which she never took off. Our neighborhood is surrounded by woods. The Girl Scout camp took place in the eastern part of Westeria Forest. So we were quite far away. We didn't really have any camping gear just, two pillows, a blanket, a small Barbie tent, a flashlight, and some snacks enough for a day. We rode our cycles from Katie's to the woods. At first, everything seemed nice. We heard birds chirping and cars go by. The weather was nice and warm. We saw squirrels and rabbits jumping around. But as we went on, the forest grew thicker. We were tired of running around so we sat under a dark shaded tree, we ate our snacks and I tried to scare Kelly but what will happen next terrifies me to the core. As we started walking down the wrecked trail again, 
We couldn't hear or see any animals. The only sounds we could hear were of the rustling of the leaves. There was an eerie presence in the woods. I felt uncomfortable and suffocated. And then, there was a sudden cloudburst. It felt like the whole woods were closing in on us. An ominous feeling wrapped around me. The trees looked like tall intimidating creatures. The peal of thunder startled us and both of us ran for shelter. In a state of panic, I realized that Kelly was missing. Fog surrounded me so I couldn't see anything but I could feel she wasn't here. After I calmed down, I investigated my surroundings and scouted for Kelly. As I said before where I live was quite warm but here it felt like it dropped about 10 degrees. Anyway, while walking down the path I noticed something. It was iron? As far as I know, that wasn't natural, why would there be human-made stuff so deep in the forest? I walked closer to it and in betwixt of the fog I saw an iron staircase. It seemed new, polished, and untouched by nature. Almost as though time had stopped for it. It seemed like someone had cut the stairs from a house and put them here. I was so mesmerized by them that it didn't even register to me that all the sounds were blocked off. At this point, I could hear nothing but my own breathe. Looking at the stairs I felt an unexplained morbid feeling to climb up them. At that time I felt like it was a must to climb, I had no choice. So I did, I started climbing them. With each step, I felt disconnected from reality. Nothing mattered. Eventually, I couldn't even hear my own breathe or was I not breathing? You may think that creepy sounds and screams are scary but no. Silence. Dead silence is the most terrifying thing that could destroy a person. This type of silence will make your skin crawl and make you want to rip your ears out. There was only the final step left between me and whatever lies beyond. The last thing that I could recollect was feeling a push. That's it, I fell and lost consciousness. When I woke up it was still pouring, even heavier than before. After I made sense of what was happening I felt like being watched. Then I heard my name Rebecca in a low distorted voice. It didn't sound human. I got up and looked around and saw the thing that haunts my dreams. Every last thread of hope was shredded by this deep despair. What I saw was a thing, so horrifying that I can't even begin to describe it. It was tall and had two dark holes for eyes, a huge distorted grin which stretched from one side to the other. It had huge limbs with sharp claws covered with disgusting blood. I was petrified looking at it. It continued to say my name in a now childlike voice. It began to walk towards me repeating my name in the same disturbing voice. In a state of panic, I searched for a weapon and my eyes landed on a piece of wood. Without thinking I swung the piece of wood, hitting it until it was a bloody mess. After I realized what I had done, I ran away. I kept running and running. In my attempt at escaping that demon, I barely noticed the sounds of the woods. Panting and gasping for air I finally made it out and dashed to my home away from the deathly forest. I broke in and started crying hysterically. Kelly's parents, the Adams were also there talking with my parents. All of them shared the look of despair on their faces. There were cookies on the coffee table which were untouched. My once sugar-loving parents were now anxiously making phone calls, my angsty teenage brother was actually out of his room and nervously listening to the conversation. Kelly's mom, Mrs. Adams, 
who once was a fashion diva and always wore makeup, was rough and sobbing and even Mr. Adams, the most cheerful person I knew, was on the verge of tears. When their eyes met mine they were completely taken aback. Mom threw everything including the expensive new cell phone and ran towards me. They hugged me so tightly that it was hard to breathe. All my anxiety faded away when my mom brushed the dirt off my face. For a second everything was roses and butterflies until I saw Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50-80% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All the look on Mr. and Mrs. Adams' faces. I could feel hope blossoming in their hearts. Their hope was like a beautiful stained glass window which was shattered by the despairing news of the absence of their daughter. When they questioned me about Kelly my silence gave them the answer. I could see the color drain out of their faces. The forest rangers searched the entire forest until they came across a battered mess which Deanna confirmed to be Kelly. It seemed she was beaten repeatedly with a blunt object. She seemed like an unrecognized pile of flesh. Kelly who once was a high-spirited girl, obsessed with unicorns and nature was now a part of the soil. We identified her because of the bracelet I gifted her which was also covered with blood. Nearby they found a piece of wood covered with the blood of Kelly, which was likely the murder weapon. There was no trace of fingerprints, footprints, or any other evidence due to the torrential rain, giving an upper hand to the culprit. Now even after 13 years, they couldn't identify the perpetrator of this crime. I've told this traumatic tale to many but there's one detail I always fail to mention, after hitting the monster my eyes laid upon the lifeless body of my best friend, Kelly Adams. When we first moved into our cabin in Middle Tennessee we still live in three years ago. We were visited by an alpha female and my boyfriend had numerous sightings and visits from the male while I would be away at work. We have had little contact since then. I had a total of about three encounters specifically for me and he has had three to four as well. The first time I saw a dogman was in my front yard. 
We had just moved out here the week before Thanksgiving 2017 and this was around Christmas. I was driving for Lyft and kept very odd hours as to when I would arrive home. This particular night it was around 4.30 am. We do not have any lights in the front of the house or yard and it is pitch black darkness. I got out of my car and went to get my bag out of my trunk. I turned on my phone light to help me. I reached up to close the trunk of my car and the phone's light crosses the front yard. I saw a creature I didn't know existed on this earth. I only saw it from the chest down it was a sandy color or cinnamon. The waist was smaller. It had long fingernails that were held close to its chest curled up. Its legs were that like a dog's hind legs I think I went into a state of shock. I just focused on getting into the house. I had to cross the creek in front of the house to get over there. I didn't hear or see anything. But I didn't look back. I was too scared. I was afraid I was going to be killed. I made it to the house okay. I was around 9 years old, and I was at my mom's friend's house for a little get-together. While we were there, my mom's best friend decided to go get something from a house nearby, down a dirt road in the woods. She took my friend and me with her, and looking back, I wish I had never gone. We rode with her to the other house, and when she got out, my friend and I stayed in her car, waiting for her to come back. After sitting in her car for about 10 minutes, we decided to get out to see what was taking her so long. However, when we did, she told us to get back in the car, revealing that she was buying weed, and we weren't welcome in the house. So, my buddy and I got back in her car and waited for her to come out. There were a lot of bulldogs at that property, and they had been barking like crazy. Suddenly, they all stopped at once and went into their dog houses. That's when my friend and I saw this thing that looked like some kind of werewolf coming from behind the car. We froze and just stared at it as it walked by. It looked so demonic. When we saw it, we ducked down and laid on the floorboards. We stayed there for what seemed like forever until we heard my mom's friend knocking on the driver's window, trying to get us to let her in. I guess it left when it heard her come out of the house or something. This happened while I was doing my army service in Switzerland in the Alps. I am not allowed to talk about what we were doing but I'll try to keep things clear. My company had installed a huge antenna and it had to be guarded by two soldiers day and night. We were on the top of a hill, far away from any city and near a huge forest. It was 18h00 and I had just started my watch of 6 hours with another soldier. Everything went fine, we smoked cigarettes and kept ourselves occupied until our watch ended at midnight. Then, we received a call from our superior and he told us that one of the soldiers that was supposed to take the watch couldn't come and one of us had to stay for another watch of 6 hours. We tossed a coin to know who would stay from midnight to 6 in the morning with temperatures of minus 20 Celsius degrees. Of course, I lost and I had to wait for the other soldier to come and join me for the night watch. They sent another soldier but not the best because I knew he would sleep all night when I saw him climbing the hill with his sleeping bag. And that's what he did. He immediately took place in the tent and fell asleep. It was the coldest and longest night of my life, but nothing special about it. 
The weird part happened in the morning. We received another call from our superior and he told us that we had an NBC exercise. It means that we have to wear all day long our anti-chemical suit, I don't know the English word for it, the one with the gas mask and everything that goes with it. I was really upset and exhausted because I wasn't able to sleep with that thing on and sleep was my only reward for that 12-hour watch. Well, I got out of the tent and this is where I saw something that still scares me to this day. There was a woman standing next to the antenna and she wasn't moving. She was just standing there, 5 meters from the tent. I couldn't see her face because the sun's starting to rise behind her. I knew she was a woman because she had really long hair and she had curves. Remember that we were in the middle of nowhere and this lady was standing there, not moving like she was frozen. I started to freak out and I called the other guy to show him what I was looking at. I don't know why but he wasn't scared at all and he told her to leave because she wasn't allowed there. But she didn't make a move. She just stood there looking at us, or at least in our direction. I was so confused, about how a woman could ignore two soldiers telling her to leave a forbidden area. I mean we are in Switzerland, the army is not that impressive I know, but people usually don't do this kind of thing. They would just move away especially when it's 6 in the morning. And what was she doing in the middle of nowhere, obviously not dressed for this cold weather? How long was she standing there and how did she end up here? I didn't hear any footsteps. So many questions went through my mind at that moment. The other soldier didn't think twice and started walking towards her. When he almost reached her, she started running very fast. She ran directly into the forest. I saw her getting deep down in the forest and she disappeared from our sight. I'm really a rational thinker, I question everything and think that there is always an explanation. For me, the explanation is that she was simply a jogger because of the way she ran to the forest. But, almost three minutes had passed between the first time I saw her and the moment she started running away. Three minutes of not moving at all, looking at me, dressed in something really tight with minus 20 degrees and in the middle of nowhere. Thank God there was someone with me because nobody would have believed me. I'm just going preface my account with this, it's the gospel truth. This happened to me and this is one of the reasons you should not mess with a Ouija board. Put your Ouija boards away people, get rid of them. Anyway, the story is, that I'm coming back from Florida with my wife. We stop in St. Mary's, Ohio. We had friends there. They lived in this house that was four stories, 150 years old, stone, beautiful, and full of antiques. A gorgeous place. It was known to be haunted, of course. So I was questioning them about the house, what the house was doing, and, anyway, stories came up, about what was going on. The daughter said there were lots of noises when she would go to take a shower, on stairways, and invisible people on stairways. Then the Ouija board came up. It turns out, at one point, 30 kids after school would land at their house and they would all be working the Ouija board. Things just got crazy, shaking chandeliers, the whole deal, and the mother says, that's it. It goes away. No more. So, it goes away and it never came back out again. So, of course, I had to say, look, I've never seen one work. 
I'd like to see something happen. Could we try? She hummed and hawed and she was like, all right. She went and got it. I sat down across from the daughter, her name was Renee. We put it on our laps and put our fingers on the planchette. Immediately it started moving. Slowly. Nice pace. And, like I said, Renee commented about sounds when she took a shower so I said, who in the house makes sounds when Renee is showering? Supposedly a 10 year old boy came on and he said he liked to watch Renee undress. So, anyway, we spoke to the little boy for a little while. All of a sudden he said, I have to go, we said, where are you going? He said, it's coming. We asked, who's coming? He said, he's coming. All of a sudden the planchette stopped dead. We looked at each other and we were like, what is going on here? Then the planchette took off like wildfire. We had to work to keep our fingers on it. It was almost impossible to get answers from it because it was moving so fast. At some point, it would pull away from your fingers and the minute it lost your fingers it would stop dead. And the minute our fingers would grab it and off it would go again. It was just ridiculous. My wife was a real naysayer. She was actually saying a lot of stuff she shouldn't say. We were getting the idea it was getting angry. I said to her, stop speaking, it is getting really ticked off. So we said, look, we don't want to talk to you anymore. You are not friendly. Go away. We want to speak to someone else. Then it would lie. It would come back and say it was other people but we knew it was it because of the way the planchette moved. It was a hundred miles an hour. So, anyway, at that point, the mother, Pat, said, okay, you know what, we've seen enough. I've seen it work. I am impressed, it works. We put the Ouija board away. So, that evening we went to bed. We stayed at their house that night. So, anyway, I woke up in the middle of the night and it was not as if you woke up and you were groggy and tired. I opened my eyes and I was wide awake. Now, I didn't have a clock near but I'm going to say, I told my wife, it was 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when that stuff always happens. I leaned up on my elbow, and this is gospel truth, there was an 8-foot, robe-cloaked creature standing in the corner of the room. It was not facing me, it was facing off to the right. I could not see its face, it was blocked by this robe. It had two, approximately two-foot-tall imp-type creatures that were kind of moving in and out of its robes on the floor. They almost had a reptilian-like look to them and they were dressed in black cloth. As they went through this thing's robes, they did not move the robe. The robe just kind of disappeared around the creatures. The creatures went through, popped out the other side, and continued its little motion. It looked like the angel of death, actually, minus the sickle. I looked at it in disbelief and I thought, dear God, what is that? I laid my head down. I stuck my face into my wife's back and just I said to myself, I am not moving until I see daylight. And the next thing I did see was daylight and I looked and the thing was gone. I swear to God, that is gospel truth. I'm telling you that this is the last time I use the Ouija board. I am never touching one again. This is a very difficult story for me to talk about, I've kept it hidden since June 1988. 
At the time I was living in Canoga Park, California. It was a two-week-long event that started out with me waking up around 1am to go into my kitchen and stare out the window at a certain spot in the sky. I would see a light but was unsure if it was a star or something else. I knew what I was doing there at the window but would not consciously admit it to myself, it's difficult to explain. Almost as though I knew what was coming and what I was looking for. This two-week event is too long and too involved to type the whole thing out here. Still, it involved abduction, my physically seeing the ship, physically seeing two entities in my apartment twice, and also a hooded figure that appeared at the foot of my bed and did something to the bottom of my foot that was very painful. During this two-week time, I contacted Yvonne Smith, and she and Bud Hopkins worked with me to help me through these two weeks. I also called Yvonne in a panic the second time the entities were in my apartment. Also the morning after the abduction I woke up with a bruise the size of a huge dinner plate on my stomach, don't know if this makes sense but after the abduction, I was returned to my bed and I immediately knew something had happened to me. It's just too hard to explain the details here. I began having dreams about what was done to me during the abduction and also about the things they showed me. Bud Hopkins wanted to make this more public, get it out there but I refused. I was too afraid and I've been too afraid all these years to talk about those two weeks. I'm almost 70 years old now and I want to finally make what happened to me known. It's time. Also, I believe there was a connection to Rocket Dime which was just a few blocks from my apartment. If I can talk with someone I can tell them why I think that. Yvonne wanted to use hypnosis on me to get more details but I was too afraid to know more, I think I was afraid they would come back. Please. I just want to get this story out, maybe telling it will help me in some way and possibly help someone else. I've lived with this a long, long time and it changed how I see the world and my life, it changed me as a person. A friend and I were followed and eventually taunted by what looked like an alien for hours one night in 2012. The things that took place that night were the scariest things I've ever seen. Not even in fiction have I heard or seen anything like it. A short version. I was just bored one night with a friend and decided to walk home at dark from the local gas station, a little over a mile. I live in Louisiana so it's acres of woods on either side of the road. Despite trying to explain away the sound of breaking branches as if something was following us, the sound of something walking next to us lasted all the way until the first light pole near the neighborhood. Now feeling brave with the light pole and the first house in sight, I yelled taunts at where the sound was coming from. We stared at a moving bush, and a head popped up and just stared at us. We both see it and later draw the same exact thing so we weren't imagining it. We ran until we ran out of breath and were followed by red lights like small red laser dots from the distance, in pairs like eyes. From the distance, anywhere we looked and they appeared anywhere we focused on for too long. Finally, at my friend's home, all three of his dogs are hiding whimpering under his truck lying side by side. They're usually hyper as hell and we couldn't even drag them out because they would run right back under. As soon as we walk into the house and close the door, Small pebbles start hitting every side of the house at once. A back window breaks from one, 
and there's a pair of tiny red lights in the distance everywhere you look outside. It slows down and we gain enough courage to walk outside and yell at it. We walked down the steps and started yelling insults, we were stupid. Suddenly, out of complete silence, behind the neighbor's house, a pair of white shiny eyes like a wolf but not attached to any form slowly approached us. It started slowly and by the 200 foot mark, it started sprinting towards us and separating into an additional two pairs of eyes as it's charging. We ran inside and locked the door behind us. Seconds later it threw itself at the door, or at least that's what it sounded like. We looked toward the front door which the center is stained glass and you could clearly see a silhouette of a four foot large headed being inches from the front door just standing there looking at us. We turn away for a second, look back and it's gone. Then the rocks start being thrown again. While pebbles are being thrown hitting every side of the house, we look out the front window, we are standing in the center of the living room next to each other with a kitchen knife both crying at this point. Outside across the street is an abandoned house covered in moss and stuff. Its kitchen light turns on. You can see the plants and stuff inside. It's just a table in there. There was no electricity running to that house but the light was on. The light goes out. I honestly don't remember much of the rest of the night from this point. The last I remember is we were sitting in the center of the living room both with a kitchen knife back to back sitting on a bed cover crying as pebbles kept hitting the sides of the house. In the morning we drove past where we saw the alien pop its head out of the bush and three state police cars and a regular looking truck were parked at the bush in the woods as if they were searching in the woods. Looking back I wonder why the hell didn't I try to record any of this but I remember back then I just had one of those black and white text with numbers type of cell phones. God I wish I had the tech I do now, I would almost say I'd experience it again just to be able to record it but I only say that cause I was with someone during it. I imagine if I was alone, I'd pass the hell out or something. Before I start, I want to acknowledge that it's likely this was just a mountain lion. Either way, it's one of the scariest things that has happened to me in the woods. In early March of 2021, I was just barely recovering from a significant concussion enough to where I could drive again. I still couldn't work for another few weeks and couldn't look at screens or even read, so I was spending plenty of my time just going on short walks and such to pass the time in ways that didn't aggravate my head. I want a small trailhead I hadn't been to before. If it weren't for the trees, I think houses about half mile away or less would have been visible from the parking lot so I wasn't exactly deep in the wilderness. I had a weird feeling I shouldn't go, I was alone, but as always, I was armed with my CCW and figured I was just being goofy because it was a dreary, cloudy day with some chill and a slight breeze. I approached the trailhead feeling very strange, like I really shouldn't be there. I saw a single car in the parking area and figured that maybe since a previous car of mine had been broken into at a trailhead a few years previous, I was worried it would happen again with my car now being the only other one up there. I backed in and hung out for a few minutes. Two dudes with fishing poles came from the left, where I couldn't see but could clearly hear a rushing river. They got in their car and left, and my I shouldn't be here sense persisted. Being an idiot, I still got out and headed up the trail.
I had no idea how long it was or where it went, but I didn't really intend on going the full way unless it was short, I just wanted to walk for a while outdoors. The trees hadn't gotten their leaves back and it was a dreary day as I mentioned earlier, but that usually doesn't put me on edge. As I walked, the strong feeling to turn back got more and more obvious. I felt myself glancing all over literally constantly, it wasn't even fun anymore to be up there. It's only been a couple minutes too, I mean the feeling of dread was so immediately strong I could still see my car in the parking lot when I finally decided it was time to go, because it has gotten that strong so quickly. I turned around, hand on my pistol in its holster, and stopped to listen. A few seconds after I turned around, I heard a big footstep off to my right. It was a big snap of a branch that had been on the ground already, maybe 25 to 30 yards away. I'm not sure if it matters that the branch was already on the ground other than that I know it wasn't deadfall. I've been working in audio for way too long and can tell a lot about an event simply by how it sounds. That might sound silly, but it's important to know that I could 100% tell it was a footstep that had, likely accidentally, stepped on a branch that was already present on the forest floor. I waited a second or two after this big snap to head out. I looked over the place it had come from, able to see what felt like a decent amount because of the lack of leaves on the trees, but I couldn't see anything that looked alive. Not wanting to trigger a pursuit instinct in whatever it was, I started walking down the trail. I had my sidearm in hand, drawn at that point. My car wasn't far and I'm a naturally fast walk so this seems like the best course of action. I got back to my car in a minute or two, and heard nothing at all besides the nearby river rushing by. Having backed into my spot, I started my car and put it in drive but had my foot on the brakes. I wanted to see if anything came into sight, and then peel out of there if so. Nothing ever showed itself, not that I could see anyways. As I left the area, the dreadful feeling went away and I had a normal rest of my day, but shaken up a little. I don't know what it was and don't make any claims. As I mentioned at the very beginning, it was probably a mountain lion as this occurred near the Box Elder area of Utah and they're often seen even coming down into the cities, so one still in the mountains but only a half mile from some fancy houses probably isn't too strange. Either way, a few things still strike me to this day. Whatever it was, clearly knew it had revealed itself when it stepped on the branch, and was smart enough to recognize I immediately looked in its general direction as a result. The fact that something saw me, saw me notice its mistake, and that I still saw absolutely nothing in turn during the middle of the day, still freaks me out. Mountain lions are notorious for their natural camouflage, so, this still tracks the sense of dread before I even got to the trailhead. I've felt this a few times, as you might see in my other post in slash the truth is here, but even then, I didn't feel the same dread like I did here on this little trail. I knew I was going to be in danger, then ignored that, and then knew there were eyes on me by something I couldn't see myself, then that instinctual knowledge was confirmed when there was very clearly a large step taken among the trees to my right. I have a handful of stories similar to this that are also 100% real things that have happened to me, that I think I'll try to post someday. I keep running into similar situations because I keep going out when I have the sense I should not.
Now I want to preface this story by stating that I'm a very analytical person. I'm a technical business analyst for God's sake, so my livelihood is to analyze and find reasoning behind every situation. But it's to the point where I can't deny that something is living in my family home, and it imitates my mum. I live in Queensland, Australia. In about 2004 we moved into a very old Queenslander home, Google Queenslander home and you'll see the type of house I'm talking about. It was a big fixer-upper, with very high ceilings and a beautiful deck that caught the summer breeze perfectly. It was the first house built in the entire street over 150 years ago, and used to be a celery farm, random, I know. About 15 years ago, my cousin was sleeping over one night, we were very close, and she told me all about her paranormal experiences. For context, she grew up in Indonesia and her mother was apparently into black magic, so she has seen and experienced a lot of the paranormal. Is there anything in my house? I asked her. Yes, she replied. She sits on the windowsill of your mum's room. Is it bad? I asked, not too sure if I wanted to actually hear the answer. Just don't bother it, she said, shutting down the conversation. Fast forward a few years. I was sitting on my bed studying with the door open. I then see my mum walk down the hallway with the washing basket, about to put on a load of laundry. About five seconds later, I see her walk down the hallway with the washing basket, going the same direction she was before. I was baffled. How could she walk the same direction twice? I tried to shake it off, thinking it was just my tired mind playing tricks on me. After all, I was studying and it was late. About a year passes, and I had forgotten the spooky incident of my mum walking in the same direction twice. It was a Friday afternoon and I had my best friend over, and we were hanging out in the kitchen talking to my mum. Mum was cooking dinner, and me and my friend were just chatting away. My brother then appears from his room. Where's dinner? He asked. Still another 30 minutes away. Mum replies. But you just came into my bedroom and told me dinner is ready. We all froze still. Silent. Chills ran up the back of my spin as I remember the incident that happened a year prior. No I didn't, mum responded. Yes you did. My brother exclaimed. You knocked, opened my door, walked into my room, and told me dinner is ready. I can vouch for my mum that she didn't do this. After all, I was with her the entire time. My brother shook his head. Perhaps I'm imagining things, and walked back to his room. I knew he wasn't imagining things. From there, things got weird. But, only for me. My brother never had another experience, and neither did my mum. My placid dog, a big, fat golden lab, would jump up from her sleep and growl and bark at the corner of the room. Doors that I closed, would open up behind me. And I always, always, felt like something didn't want me there. Fast forward a few years. I had moved out of home, and was asked by my mum to dog sit while she went away for the weekend. I did. It was a hot summer night, and I was in the spare bedroom with the air conditioning on freezing cold. Then, at the exact same time, the air conditioning turned off, my phone went to do not disturb, and the bedroom door flung open. I don't mean the door creaked open, I mean flung. 
as if someone swung it open in anger. I jumped up and ran out of the room, calling my boyfriend freaking out. He calmed me down, and for whatever reason, I stayed at the house, as a horror film fanatic, I know this was a dumb move. It became time for bed, so I went to take the dog outside to go potty before bringing her back in. She is a stubborn old thing, so I have to physically go outside and stand in the backyard with her, otherwise she will not go. Whilst we were outside, and the dog was sniffing around trying to find her toilet spot for that evening, I felt something. I don't know how to describe it, because I didn't actually see anything. But I felt something that looked like my mother, at the end of the backyard, standing and looking directly at me. I know that sounds weird, but the feeling was so strong. People will say it was your mind playing tricks on you, but it wasn't. Because I have never before, nor since, had a feeling like that before. It was like I was seeing something without actually seeing it. I sensed it. And I sensed it strong. She was in a nightgown, blonde shoulder-length hair, looking just like my mother. Except cold. And emotionless. And angry. I rushed the dog back inside and went to bed, needless to say I didn't sleep well that night. Whatever it was imitating my mother, it didn't like me. It never showed itself to my mom or brother, but for some reason loved to torment me. That was until recently. I was over at my mom's for dinner, and the topic of ghost stories came up. I bought up all the experiences I'd had at that house, and how I found it so strange that mom never experienced it. Mum looked at me, with a blank stare, almost as if she was trying to hold something in. What is it? I asked. Well, the other week, something happened. She began to tell me the story which finally made her realize I was telling the truth. Except this time, it imitated someone else. Mum was with her friend on the balcony, having some afternoon tea. Where's the bathroom? Her friend asked. Just down the hallway, Mum replied. Her friend then got up to go to the bathroom. From the balcony, you can pretty much see everything from the house as it looks straight down the hallway. Mum looked down, eating her afternoon tea, and when she looked back up she saw her friend walk out of the toilet, and into my mum's bedroom. Friend's name? Mum shouted out. What are you doing? No response. Friend's name, Mum shouted a bit more getting up from her seat to go and see why she went into her room. Just as she was about to walk down the hall, there appeared her friend. Walking out of the toilet. Nobody was in her bedroom. I don't know what this thing is that imitates people in my mom's house. But I know it's not nice. It's not friendly, and it doesn't want me around. All I can say is, I'm glad I moved the F out. Has anyone else experienced anything like this?